Recording from the Sunshine City, St. Petersburg, Florida, overlooking beautiful Tampa Bay, this is the Sonography Lounge, sponsored by Gulf Coast Ultrasound Institute. This podcast is dedicated to medical professionals and patients around the world interested in diagnostic and interventional ultrasound. Our podcast will discuss everything ultrasound, from news, trends, career paths, new technology, and industry updates. Hosted by Lori Green and Tricia Rio of Gulf Coast Ultrasound Institute, they bring over four decades of experience in the ultrasound profession and are here to guide you through this journey. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hello, everybody. This is Lori Green, and welcome to the Sonography Lounge, sponsored by Gulf Coast Ultrasound Institute, where we discuss everything ultrasound. I'm here today with Tricia Rio as our co-host. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. That's right. And so today we're going to be talking about our emergency technology, emergency. We're going to be talking about our emerging technologies series and uh, some of the things that are going on out there in the ultrasound Market And so, as you know, advancements in technology and diagnostic ultrasound have helped to improve the diagnosis by providing immediate clinical information and reducing the overall healthcare costs by replacing more expensive diagnostic exams. Over the years, that diagnostic imaging capabilities of ultrasound have also grown across all clinical applications, especially point-of-care ultrasound. And we do a lot of our education is involved with point-of-care ultrasound, which crosses over a lot of different applications. And one of the benefits is that is the speed, cost-effectiveness, and non-invasive nature of ultrasound imaging. And those are some of the key attributes that this technology provides an edge over some of the other imaging modalities. So uh, along with being economical, um, um, along with being economical, the uh, point-of-care market has really helped to improve uh, patient safety and outcomes. So today in our episode, we're going to focus on emerging technology and ultrasound, and we're excited to have with us Kevin Goodwin, the founder and CEO of Echo News. So welcome, Kevin. Thank you, Lori and Trish. Nice to be here today. Always love to talk about ultrasounds. Absolutely. We were just talking about how we've been in the uh, profession for so many years and just seeing the advancements in technology and the applications grow. It's, you know, it never would have dawned on me many, many moons ago that we would be where we are today. So it's exciting to talk with with, uh, you today about a little bit about your background and how uh, you established or the driving force behind starting Echo News. Okay, well, thanks. Yeah, I'm a 34-year veteran of ultrasound in medicine, and ultrasound imaging medicine. Uh, you, you and I met back in the day in the late 80s when I was in Atlanta. Back then, we saw the turn toward digital, digital beam forming in ultrasound, which is the ultrasound engine. And that resulted in a big change in how well you could generate image quality on the screen for the doctor. At that time, it was the radiologist, the cardiologist, the vascular surgeon, the maternal fetal medicine physician, and uh, OBGYN doctors and a few others. Now what's happened, given the turn toward digital, that put ultrasound technology on the trajectory of Moore's law, which is the silicon chip trajectory, and resulted 11 years after that in the formation of a company called Sonosite, which was the first ever to miniaturize and simplify high quality ultrasound. And that went on for 11 years and was eventually that company sold to Fujifilm after creating point of care ultrasound, which at the time had never existed. Point of care ultrasound is simply moving ultrasound technology to the bedside, to the patient side, 
and away from the lab where the experts and the sonographers alone do the examination. And so this has taken off into a 20-year secular growth move for ultrasound. Ultrasound is now about $8 billion in global revenues. 35% of that is point of care. 20 years ago, point of care was zero. So what's happened with my new company was that we saw the opportunity with the emerging inflection of deep learning and machine learning, which is a subset of the AI world, to apply those toolkits to how ultrasound devices are used. Ultrasound devices are simply used first to acquire an image that interpret what you're looking at, at the same time take physiological measurements and finally make a decision. So we developed a framework called AIMD, Acquire, Interpret, Measure, and Decide. And that came out of work I did with point-of-care physicians after they learned about the value of deep learning. And so there's two things our company was founded on. One was to apply deep learning to the use of an ultrasound device, but secondly was to completely shatter the paradigm for how good a small ultrasound device could be. So our company has able, been able to compress a 64 to 128 channel imaging engine onto a single silicon chip. And what that really means is the engine you might find in a 60 to $100,000 large cart system is now resident on a single silicon chip in an eight ounce package and can be acquired for less than $10,000 and automated by AI. That's kind of puts us in a very different position than we've ever been in historically in ultrasound. Absolutely. That's uh, really exciting uh, technology, the way that has expanded and given us a lot more applications and um, also has assisted with the learning curve uh, of the physicians who have many of them haven't had any education in their in their medical school or in their residency programs. So that AI technology is really helping with that as well. Yeah, we've been using uh, your systems as part of our hands-on, so thank you for the support. And I have seen several of the physicians that come through who maybe, you know, had a very basic knowledge of cardiac or possibly no cardiac knowledge to begin with when it comes to ultrasound and scanning anatomy and calculating EF and all those scary things that they talk about. And uh, the AI, you know, has really been beneficial to those participants. Can you explain a little bit more how that helps somebody in case they just don't even understand what we're talking about right now as far as AI yeah, and how so it applies? Love to. I'd love to. So let's remember that ultrasound is primarily the domain of physics. So we send sound into the body. Sound comes back. It travels at a certain speed. It gets attenuated in the body. It's transmitted by an ultrasound probe, which is made up of advanced composite ceramic material. And then after it comes back to the probe, it engages in signal processing. And then off we go to put an image on the screen. Well, what AI is and what deep and machine learning is, is the movement of mathematics coming in on top of the physics. And basically, I don't want to say swallowing the physics, but force multiplying the value of what physics brings us with ultrasound. AI is a framework of tools. So deep learning has a toolkit, for example, object detection, object segmentation, regression, and there's a third, fourth one that I forget at the moment, classification. What that means is this toolkit, which was pioneered by a Dr. Hinton at the University of Toronto and kind of reached an inflection point in 2012, can enable an ultrasound machine using algorithms, so mathematical algorithms, to look at an organ and label it, label its elements like the heart. It can look at anatomy and label it, so we call that object detection. It can also do continuous calculations of a, of a, of a mass value of some organ or physiological process that's ongoing. It can break, for example, the heart or the liver into components and look at it discreetly. 
And so the power is here for a couple of reasons. One is that the chip technology inside of mm -hmm. instruments today, whether it's ultrasound or computers, is now so robust, coming from such companies as Qualcomm and NVIDIA, that the calculations can be done as fast as the human mind works. And this is the key thing to understand. So Lori and Trish, when you look at a heart, you know exactly what you're looking at. When you're calculating ejection fraction, you probably learn how to eyeball it over mm -hmm. the years, which is what many doctors do. Well, we've learned some interesting things about algorithms. First of all, if you're going to leverage algorithms on ultrasound, you have to have a data-rich image. A low-cost, low-caliber image will not get you there. It'll create a lot of variability in your outcome. However, if you feed it with high-quality data, all of a sudden what happens is the algorithm gets better and better over time because it learns. We've run a study on 2,000 patients at a large hospital in Greece. The doctors were all very skeptical about whether they could rely on our, our, our ejection fraction algorithm as to be... Uh, capable of doing what they know how to do. Over time, the algorithm got better and better, and all of a sudden we found them saying to us that they now use our algorithm to check their work, just to make sure. And we've also benchmarked uh, our study at a core lab to confirm that it is basically interchangeable with experts. And this is vital because nobody wants to compromise patient care. But here's an example of uh, automated object detection and heart segmentation such that it's all done so fast in the case of our instrument, the you take the apical four view, you take the apical two view, and then all of a sudden, seven, sec seven seconds later, you have an accurate ejection fraction that has been benchmarked against the best. And the beauty of algorithms is if you use them over time, they actually get smarter. And they even know when the image isn't good enough because they've been taught that. So there's an example of just mathematics, i.e. Uh, algorithms, arriving into ultrasound. And it's early days, but... There's such promise here in the area of physiological measurements, making them more accurate, automating workflow, automating image acquisition, automating the back end, as we see in cardiology, where calculations typically take one half to three fourths of the time to do an echo. And that can be done also across the entire body where they can be automated with machine learning and computed down into just a few seconds. I've got a great example I can tell you about if you'd like sure, to Sure, that'd be yeah, great. I love that. Well, there's a partner company we work with now called, called Us2AI, which was formed by a cardiologist who was trained at Mayo and Harvard. And she's automated 23 out of the 80 parameters that a typical cardiologist looks for out of an echo image and a Doppler measurement set. And she had those algorithms they created uh, validated at a core lab, the Brigham in Boston, on 600 independent patients. And they used three experts, which took them the equivalent of four-person months to go through all 600 studies. And then the algorithm did its work. Guess how long it took for the algorithm to do the same work of four-person months? <laughs> Twelve hours. Wow. Twelve hours. And what's interesting is the FDA required them to be within a confidence interval of bioequivalence with an expert of less than 20%, and they came in even lower than that. Wow. And even found, the algorithms even found disease where the experts missed it. That's mathematics, looking wow. at the image and picking up information that the human eye can't see on the screen. And that's where we are right now. We take the workflow of a cardiologist and chop it down to just seconds. At the same time, we improve accuracy and sensitivity. That's what math can do for physics. Yeah, that's exciting. That is very exciting. Who would ever guess, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all about, you know, mathematicians uh, and algorithms and then uh, computing speeds. That's right. what the, the, three, the three, the recipe. Absolutely. 
That's so exciting. And just the thought of where we can take it from here um, with all of the uh, research that's been done and proving that uh, we can reduce the time that it takes to get uh, the diagnosis and the accuracy being as good, if not better, than than uh, than the human part of it that uh, when we're just interpreting it independently. Yeah, another added thing I need to point out is we've learned through observation that um, the algorithms reduce variance. They reduce variability, intrapatient or interpatient variability. And that's another thing that's very interesting is that the algorithm over time learns how to do its job by practice. And all of a sudden you can have a little – we know about human variance, you mm-hmm. know, operator to operator on a given patient. But this, yeah. can, be reduced, this can be reduced towards zero. That's fantastic. Absolutely. That's going to definitely impact patient care and outcomes. No question. No question. I, mean, I think it's going, to, it's going to make things more efficient, uh, more accurate. It's above the standard of care, and then there's data to support the accuracy. And I see that that's um, in the market, uh, especially the point of care market, how that can be so beneficial when um, we have so many different uh, providers that are working with the ultrasound systems with varying levels of uh, expertise and uh, helping for that learning curve to be shortened and for boosting their confidence that they were getting the accurate information they need to for a very time sensitive diagnosis. So. Um, I think that that is definitely going to make a difference in that uh, point of care market. Yeah, that's one of the other advantages. We, the reason we founded the company was we believed AI could shorten what I call the learning and the confidence curves. What I observed in my prior career in point of care is that uh, there's a certain learning curve that all doctors or, or users go through. But then there's a certain confidence curve that overlays on that when they become confident in their work. And in so doing, they become very powerful with the ultrasound tool because they believe in their skills. When that happens, the proverbial light goes on. And I've never met a doctor that wants to go back from using ultrasound after they learn how to do it. Oh, absolutely. That's so interesting because, you know, we've worked with thousands of uh, physicians and uh, clinicians, particularly in the point of care market. And there's always that, you know, level of hesitation when they first start learning how to do ultrasound and um, whether they'll really be able to go back and integrate those skills in the clinical practice. And although, you know, AI, I think, is going to be a very important part of that. And we've already experienced that in our courses when we utilize your system that, uh, you know, to show that technology and how it can help them to be confident that what they, the image that they got was appropriate, that they're, they're identifying the uh, anatomy appropriately. So in combination with going to a comprehensive course where they learn the, the scanning skills and interpretation capabilities for a lot of applications that they can go back home and know that they've got the support mechanism with the AI technology to expedite that, that further expedite that level of confidence they have in themselves because what you said is true that everybody that comes through, they think, oh, I just want to learn how to do uh, lung or I just want to learn how to do vascular access. And then when they get exposed to all the different applications that they can do, and the next thing you know, we're getting feedback that I cannot believe that 
I'm, I'm able to do this now and this now, and it's been life-changing. Um, I've saved a life the day before or whatever because of what I learned in your course. And so just having this technology available in the systems today is definitely going to be a benefit to just help these providers be more um, proficient at utilizing this technology and expediting the time to treatment for the patients. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the, the other thing is with the hardware today, at least with our product, we have a device that has actually been benchmarked and compared objectively by clinicians on about 1,500 patients compared to a much larger, more expensive machine, which was the premise of my original hardware, which was to be as good as a middle market or upper middle market large-scale system. And we've done that, and we've come out very strong in terms of comparisons. What does that mean? It means you can find a low-cost, high-caliber machine that is easy to use, more intuitive, doesn't require all the uh, user knobology skills of a, of a professional sonographer, plus, plus, of course, the AI. Of course, yeah. And then being able to have that small portable size and uh, allowing you to get where you need to be and quicker, that's an added benefit to that. So, yeah, those yeah. Cosmos units are something else. <laughs> well, I'm happy. I'm happy you feel that way. We're, we're making it. We're working on making them better. We've got a new linear array out. Have you seen that? Yes, absolutely. I was just going to ask you that question. We know that we just had an opportunity to work with it um, in our uh, emergency medicine critical care course last week, actually. And uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit more about about that? Well, a linear array is just what follows our phased array. Our phased array was designed with a broader bandwidth such that you could use it competitively for the heart, lungs, and the abdomen and not have to switch probes. And the reason there is that the typical approach of, say, an emergency room is to switch to a curved array for the abdomen because of the near field. Mm -hmm. And our, band, our bandwidth in our near field is such that you don't have to do that. So that's one step forward that we think is very good. And, and we've actually, again, benchmarked that against larger machines. Well, the linear array follows in the footsteps of the phased array. The linear array uses 128 channels of imaging information. And uh, we just rolled it out, and it's getting great reviews for its resolution, near field, mid field, far. And now we're going to embark on uh, anatomical labeling where we can label the anatomy of the harder applications such as MSK, which I understand is a hard area to learn from an anatomy standpoint, but once you get the hang of it, it's actually pretty straightforward. So there's an example where we think, you know, again, we have a high-resolution product, it's low-cost, highly reliable, and can be made even stronger with algorithms. That's fantastic, and it's really exciting that um, you're progressing with that technology into MSK because that is absolutely an area where um, both the sonographers and uh, clinicians struggle a little bit with identifying the uh, anatomical landmarks and so forth when uh, performing those exams, whether for diagnostic or interventional purposes. So I, I definitely see that being a, a benefit in your system. Yeah, and then we'll, you know, we'll select around the heart and eventually work on, uh, you know, protocols for lungs. We've had a lot of clinicians talk to us in critical care about using prompts for managing sepsis and cardiogenic shock and things like this. So there's a real lot of real great number of opportunities out there. Oh, fantastic. Oh, that's really yeah. exciting. And that's definitely true. Yeah, and there's a lot of, a lot of different um, aspects to look uh, for in patients who are in uh, shock and trying to identify whether it's cardiogenic or, you know, some other form of shock. And so that criteria is definitely very important. So exciting news. So any other, um, any other uh, technological advances that you want to tell us about or uh, share with us about your system? 
Well, yeah. So I think what happens is now as the algorithms arrive into the world of, of ultrasound, which is about hardware, you can also take those same algorithms and populate them on a software platform and they can work together with the hardware. So you can automate workflow, you can automate work, you can automate research, you can automate uh, teaching and learning. So we have a, a platform called Cosmos Up, which is aimed at automating the task of tracking a student and uh, having the student have their own portfolio of sonographic work as they move from early med school all the way through residency fellowship and then MD, MD hood, I guess you call it, mm -hmm. MD ship. So um, there's a real, it's going to be a shifting world that we've been in. Now, we've been in this world together. I've been here for 34 years. I think you guys have been here longer than mm -hmm. me. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the next 20 years are going to be really interesting and different because of the, the value of algorithms and the, the reduced cost of high quality ultrasound. I think it's important to understand that there is a limit to how far down you can go in price and still get high quality. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and then that's where your algorithms run out of gas after you get below that limit because there's been proven, it's been pretty well proven, you can't take advantage of a mathematical algorithm unless you put, you know, high quality data in. So that's where we are today. A very exciting time. Ultrasound is once again reinventing itself. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it likes to do that. <laughs> it does, yeah. And and uh, where, where ultrasound is utilized and uh, not only different specialty practices, but in education and uh, medical schools and so forth is just going to continue to um, expand as time goes on. And so you know, it's the one thing about being in the uh, diagnostic ultrasound profession is that it's it's never boring, right? There's always something changing and uh, keeping keeping us on our toes and allowing for us to improve along the way with our patient care. So um, we really appreciate you joining us today and and sharing uh, your information about Echo News and and its benefits and features and where you're going. Um, moving forward. So um, we thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, we'd also like to yeah. thank our listeners for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the Sonography Lounge podcast and follow us on social so you don't miss any episodes. We wish you all a great day and happy scanning. Thanks so much, Kevin. We appreciate you being thank with you. us. Thank you, guys. Take care. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Sonography Lounge. Don't forget, if you like this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram, at Sonography Lounge, and Twitter, at Sonography LNG. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, feel free to send an email to us at sonographylounge at gmail.com. Have a great week, and scan, scan, scan.